Welcome to the Impact Church Aurora podcast. We pray that this week's message encourages you, engages you, and equips you to make an impact in the world around you. Now, get ready to receive the Word of God. How are you this morning? Better now, I hope. Better now that you're here, you may be seated. Welcome to Impact Church. It's always so hard to transition from worship because I'm a worshiper. I love to worship, and I don't ever want to move from his, from his presence, from singing, from just letting go and releasing, uh, just surrendering in the moment, in the presence. And, uh, but awesome thing about that is that you take it with you. Amen? Amen. Welcome to Impact Church. My name is Olga Becker. I'm a pastor here, and I have the privilege to stand before you this morning and minister. I'm excited. Yes, I'm thankful for all our pastors. Pastor Jamin, who is in Tennessee this week, um, he is on a trip. Let me tell you a little quick about his trip. Um, and I was thinking about it this morning and it made me laugh. So he also is a, a chapel band director at Aurora Christian High School, where our son attends. And they do two weeks of spring break. This is really cool. They do two weeks of spring break. So high schoolers, you're probably like, hmm, you know. Um, so the first week, they allow them to serve, and they always provide missions trips for them to serve in. And then this year, they're serving in Tennessee at a campground. And so the children go there, the teens, I should say, go there, and they serve for a week, and they work. Like, they do roofing, painting, landscaping. Um, I heard my son was cutting wood for eight hours yesterday, chopping wood. And we pay as parents for them to go. And they do free labor. But the good thing about it is that every night they have services, and it's a really spiritual counter for them as well. So it's kind of like um, old camp days and free work and Christian service hours, and it's a blessing for them, and they love to go. And Pastor Jamin got to go this year, and he um, is in charge of the chapel band, so he's leading worship. He's actually preaching tonight there. He's chaperoning sophomores. Um, and he's getting himself ready for Easter. So make sure we are as well getting excited and ready for Easter. That is next week. Are you guys excited about that? Amen. The best Sunday of the year is what he always says. Um, but I um, just want to just share a couple things with you this morning and just encourage your hearts and encourage your faith. And if you leave here with your face encouraged and increased and, and challenged, then, then our assignment here is, is complete. And so I just want to thank you for being here with us this morning. And I want to share a story. Um, a personal story, and um, then go into my text. And today's title for the sermon is A Miracle Within a Miracle. How many of you guys believe in miracles still? Who believes that God can still heal, deliver, set free? In my own personal life, I've experienced that. I've been diagnosed with diseases, um, uh, glaucoma, uh, stomach issues, and I've seen God work in my life, completely heal. And Amen. And stump doctors and be like, well, this is not what your eyes looked like a few months ago and what's going on here. I've, I've, in my own personal life, I've seen people set free, uh, delivered uh, different things. I myself have dealt with uh, dep- depression and anxiety, and I've seen God come through in my life. I've, I've seen people lay hands on others and, and, and get healed. And I've, I've seen miracles. I believe in miracles. And I just want to encourage your faith this morning in that. And so I just want to share a couple of weeks ago, almost a month ago, I should say it's more than a month ago, my uh, second, I should say my first daughter, my second child, Ella, I don't know, you guys probably were integrating with praying with us. Um, She went to the hospital. She had probably the worst uh, asthma attack that she's ever had. She's been um, 
uh, ever since she was younger, she's had breathing problems, and she uh, has allergies, and uh, she was diagnosed with asthma at a young age, but we always don't claim that. We just tell her she's healed in Jesus' name. And she had one of probably the, her worst uh, experiences with it. Um, it was March 8th, uh, a little bit over a month ago. And the way that her um, system sometimes works is she'll get a little bit of a cold. Wednesday, she had a little bit of a cold. She had a runny nose, and she brought it to my attention. By Thursday, um, she was uh, wheezing, and her school nurse sent her home. Um, called us and like, hey, we can't get this wheezing under control. We're going to need you to come get her. And so I went in, we went in, and this isn't something that we've, you know, she's actually, a, uh, she's a trooper. We've been dealing with this for quite a few years. So we get home, we do some breathing treatments and uh, pray and just believing for um, healing, nothing out of the ordinary. The next morning, she is wheezing really bad. And so I'm like, let's go to walk-in care. And she hates going to the hospital and going to the doctor she hates to be poked and prodded and tested, and she's always like, okay, but no shots, mom, no shots. I was like, well, I'll do the best I can. Um, and so we went to the doctor that morning. This was Wednesday. Wednesday, she was uh, running nose Thursday. Friday morning, we went to the doctor, and they took her vitals, and they're like, you really need to get her to the emergency room right away because her oxygen levels were low. And we always check her oxygen at home as well. We have the capabilities to do that. And so we're like, okay, well, let's go over to the ER and just get some additional breathing treatments and be on our way. And on the way to the hospital, she's like, can we please get McDonald's? I feel like I'm going to be at the hospital for a while. And I was like, okay. So we stop at McDonald's. I'm just telling you their story. This is my, my uh, interaction with Ella. So there's no real concern. We've done this before. Uh, we, we get to the hospital. We stop at McDonald's. We go to the hospital and we're there, and they're telling us, they start running her breathing treatments. The ER staff, they know her. Um, we've seen the same doctors. And uh, they're like, you know, we really can't do much for her. We really need to transfer her out. We're like, it's, 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 not, it's not getting better with every breathing treatment. And so not that we're in denial, but we're calm. Um, and we're trusting in, in what's happening in the process. And so we're like, okay, so we make arrangements. Um, they transfer her from... Uh, Aurora to downtown Chicago, and I follow her in the ambulance in my car, and the whole way I'm praying, and I'm talking to God. I'm like, okay, God, when, you know, we're just waiting. We know she's healed, and we're just waiting for this to manifest here on earth. We're just waiting to see this. We're already believing, but here we go again, another hospital stay. So this is Friday. So we get in. Um, she checks in, and this is the first time that we're at Rush in Chicago, so it's new to us, and we're there, and uh, Pastor Jane and my husband, he's making uh, arrangements and the other kids, and we're trying to like figure square things away. How long are we going to be here this time? And um, she has her breathing treatment started, and after one breathing treatment, all of a sudden she takes a really bad turn for the worse. And usually after a breathing treatment, she's better, but this time she gets worse. And her nurse is in there with us, and he's not really leaving. He's a really nice guy. We made a lot of friends this time we were there. Uh, we actually uh, keep in touch with one of them. And so the nurse, uh, he's standing there, and he's just looking at her, and he's like, I don't, I don't, I'm seeing, uh, she's getting worse. And I was like, I can see it too. And so we're sitting there talking. So he calls a pediatrician on call, and he's like, I need you to come check out Miss Becker. Um, she just had a breathing treatment, but she's not getting any better. And so little by little, we're watching Ella respond less, um, look at us less, talk less. And so he's waiting, waiting, and he's like, oh, forget this. And so he called, he picked up his phone one more time, and he was like, called rapid response team. He called in a code red or blue or something. Um, and so all of a sudden, like within seconds, people are rushing in the room. She's not responding. She's not passing air. Her airways are shutting down. Um, she already had like 
hardly any airways passing through, but they're all closing up. She's not responding. So it's chaotic. They're coming in and out. There's people putting on gowns. People are, you think, they, they were panicking, just put it that way. And so I sit there, and I have a seat, and I send two text messages out just to help get some additional prayer. And I flip my phone over, and I sit there calmly. And I'm, it's almost like I'm watching an episode of Grey's Anatomy or Chicago Med. Like, everybody's running in, putting on gowns, talking fast, trying to talk to her, moving her bed, moving her around, um, sticking her with stuff. And I sit there calmly, and, I'm, and, I, and, I, and I almost felt like the scriptures, you know, it's reminded of scriptures of, I literally felt like I transcended, like my mind was not there. Like, I'm watching this happen, but I'm still and I'm confident, and I'm trusting in what God is doing. And God, you've brought her through before. God, you I've seen this happen before. I've seen her get so bad where people are like um, almost doubting her, what, what's going to happen next? And I've seen it happen before, and I just remained there, and I remember calm, and I was praying. And they kept looking over at me like, Mom, are you okay? Mom, are you okay? And I'm like, I just just nodded like, yes, I'm good, I'm good. And... Um, I'm just here to remind you today that it is possible to remain calm in the storm. It is possible to remain calm in the chaos. It is, it is possible when things around you are falling apart or when things look bad. It is possible to stay still and confident in, in what God is doing, what God could bring you through. And I'm reminded in Colossians 1, 1 through 4, it says, um, be seated. It says, set your hearts on things above um, where Christ is seated on the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden in Christ, in God. And it's, it's possible that when we're in that situation where, you know, it's your baby. I don't know, the parents in here, it is so hard to watch your children even have sometimes a cold or fall, scrape their knee, um, be hurt. And to watch your daughter, I don't know what it's like to not be able to breathe. I don't experience that. I don't know how many of you in here do. But it's so hard to watch and see that. But it's possible to remain calm in the storm, no matter what God is, um, is, is can, no matter what you're going through, um, God is bigger than all that. God is um, stronger, and it is possible to remain still and know that he is God. And how do we do that? When we are aware and when we know who Jesus is, when we are aware of who he really is and the authority in his life, that's when we can remain calm. And it's not enough to, to just know, like, who he is. I'm like, okay, I, I, I prayed the prayer and I read my Bible. But who is he in your life? Complete authority. And um, just to finish the story, um, we spent a good five, six days in intensive care and a couple of days in uh, peds. But we went to the doctor last week, and she's doing amazing. She's doing so amazing. And... Um, <laughs> Our Ella is, those that know her well, she's a little feisty one sometimes, and she can be a sweet girl, and she's got so much sass. She is nine going on like 16, 17, um, but she's doing so good, and she's such a trooper, and even through this, I tell her all the time, this is part of your testimony. You're going to be able to pray for others, help others, um, proclaim healing over others, because it's, 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 it's coming to you. She is healed in Jesus' name, and... Um, we're just so thankful for her life, and um, I always want to make sure I, I, I end this story because I have been known to share stories and not finish them. Um, she's doing great. She's doing great, and we, we made a lot of friends. We were able to pray with people at the hospital. 
um, we were able to uh, just go and, and visit and make, like I said, make friends and, and just have a great experience. Everywhere we go, we try to keep in mind that there's purpose and there's a plan why we're there. You know, even if it's not a good one, even if we're there for the wrong reasons or, or we're not happy to be at the hospital, obviously, but okay, who can I be friends with? Who can I share Jesus with? Who can I just um, share joy and love to? So thank you for always keeping our children in prayer. Let's get to our text, and I'm going to tie this all together, I promise. Um, Mark chapter 4, Mark chapter 5, um, Jesus raises a girl, a dead girl, and heals a sick woman. Mark chapter 5. And we're going to read together. If you have your Bibles, you can open up, or you could follow along, or if you have your, um, a, lot of people, a lot of us have electronic Bibles. Hope they're all charged up. Uh, Mark chapter 5, verse 21, and this is the story, and, and this is why I call this a miracle within a miracle, because we read about two miracles happening at the same time. Mark chapter 5, and we're going to start, and just bear with me, it's a little long, it goes about 20 verses. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell to his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little, my little daughter is dying. Please come, put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. But instead of getting better, she had gotten worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized the power that had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, the disciples answered, and yet you ask who touched you? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell to his feet, trembling with fear, and says that she told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and told him, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Verse 36, overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, told Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, John, the brother of James, and the brother of James. How many know it's important who you surround yourself with? Verse 38, when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. Verse 40 says, but they laughed at him. And I want to stop right there. I want to know why, how is it possible that you can go from wailing and crying to all of a sudden it's like you're laughing at Jesus. Um, that just kind of stumped me. I was just like, and it just reminded me how as people were, you know, people can be fickle. You can be, you know, religious, especially religious people, if I can say it like that, sometimes we're so up and down in our beliefs. We can be crying and so upset and sad, and the next minute we're making fun of the move of God. 
And uh, verse 41 says, he took her by the hand and said to her, okay, let me go back a little bit. They were laughing at him. After he put them all out, Jesus put them all out. Come on, Jesus. He took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished, and he gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this, and he told them to take her to Chick-fil-A and get her something to eat. (laughs) Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for how you're going to teach us and instruct us today, Father, and we just ask that you just have complete control of the service and completely speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. In this story, Mark begins by talking about the synagogue leader, Jairus. Um, He was a leader. He was uh, in charge of a a flock congregation like a pastor would be. And um, then we read about a woman with the issue of blood. And so two very different people. I just want to start off with talking about this. Two very different people, two very different miracles, but same specific need. They both were in need of a miracle. They both needed something from Jesus. And as a leader... um, Jairus, well, he was a leader, and this woman was an outcast. Because of her disease, she was considered unclean. And um, he was a man of prestige and had money, and it says in the, in the text that she had wasted all her money on doctors trying to get better. Um, so it's two different people, two different walks of life, and yet um, it's very similar at the same time. This man's daughter was 12 years old, and if we pay attention, it says that this woman's disease was 12 years old. And so when, right around the same time that this woman was diagnosed with this disease, this daughter was being born. And it made me think of that um, show, This Is Us. If this was a movie, we'd be watching uh, as, as this family is so happy leaving with a new baby, we'd be also watching possibly this woman being diagnosed. Have you ever seen that, that show? If you don't pay attention, it's a little confusing because it's all kinds of timelines, but two very connected stories, two very connected people. And um, life has brought them together and has put them in the same position at the feet of Jesus. Two very uh, different miracles. And how many know that life has a way of doing that to us? Uh, life does not discriminate. Our problems do not discriminate. Um, life will throw things at us to uh, just sometimes just completely like just knock us off our feet, pull the rug from underneath us. You know, life has a way of doing that. And, and I, I wrote down, our, our problems are equal opportunity employers. It doesn't matter. It's like we all get hit in life. And at times, um, life will hit with some stuff that we can't handle. But let me encourage you today that um, when we feel like we can't handle something, that's when we need to turn it over to Jesus. And that's when we need to throw our hands and be like, you know, I can't handle this, Jesus, but you can. This is, this is a job for you, Jesus. And so I just want to encourage you today, whatever it is that you're going through in your life, whatever it is that God's throwing at you at this time, or whatever situation or um, decisions that you're being confronted with, surrender to Jesus and know that this is, this is a job for him. And uh, two very different people, so different, but they both ended up at the feet of Jesus. And isn't that like church? A lot of times we come in here, and I'm so thankful that we have such a beautiful uh, congregation of, of brothers and sisters. That come different, we all come from different walks of life, been through different experiences, and we all come together to worship Jesus and just to, to surrender to him. And that's just the beautiful, that's the gospel. That's the beauty of the gospel. 
And um, these two people had to push their way to get to Jesus. Uh, neither one of them had it easy. Um, if, if, we, if we take the story of, of, of the, the father, he gets to Jesus and he's like, all right, Jesus, my daughter is dying. He said that. She is dying. I need you to come pray for her. Lay hands on her. I got the worship music. I got people there. I just need you to come with me. And he asked uh, Jesus, and he agreed to go. This other woman, again, didn't have it easy. She was uh, unwelcomed and was considered unclean, and she wasn't even supposed to be at the temple. She wasn't supposed to be touching people, and she pushed her way through a crowd to get to Jesus. And she, um, I want to talk about their faith a little bit. Their awareness of who Jesus was, they were very aware of what they needed, and they know they needed to get to Jesus. And his awareness was, I need you to come lay hands. So he knew Jesus, his authority and the power and the anointing upon his life and what was on Jesus. So he wanted her to come. This woman had a different kind of understanding about Jesus. She didn't even need him to come to her. She's like, if I can just get to him and just touch him. And I'm also reminded of a different story of the centurion man who came to Jesus and said, if you will just send your word to heal He had a completely different understanding and authority of who Jesus is. And that's why it's very important that we understand the authority and the power in who Jesus is to us and who he is, period. Um, Two very different people and desperate, two very desperate people. And how, um, how do you guys know that when you're desperate for something, you'll do whatever it takes to get to Jesus, to get to where you need to go? Um, desperate people seem to do, you know, different things. And, um, I know that, you know, in different seasons of my life, when I've been so desperate for just another move or another touch, I will do what it takes. I will set time aside. You will come to church early. I know a lot of you guys probably don't realize this, but there's a countdown video. When you're desperate for a move of God, you will be here before the countdown video. Can I get an amen? It's like, there is, there's, you'll just do things. You'll be like, you know what? I'm not making any plans for Sunday. I'm going to get there. I want to be with the people of God. I have a word that I need to get. Um, I need to be in my Bible. I need to, you know, leave work a little early and just turn on the worship music. Whatever it is you do, when you are desperate for a move of God, you will do what it takes. And these people were desperate for a move of God and we're doing whatever it takes. And is there anybody here this morning that thinks that maybe, you know what? That's me. That's me. I need something from God today. I need something. I came here looking to receive. I came here looking to hear. Um, I came here looking for direction. Um, somebody in my family is sick, and I am tired. Are you tired of seeing people, the devil mess with your family? Are you tired of how he, he, he uh, just comes in and, and confuses and corrupts and um, lies to our family sometimes, and they bite at that lie? They receive it. They take it. And sometimes we just need to be so desperate, so desperate for what God can do. And he will use our desperation. And I don't mean like, like I'm so desperate, like thirsty desperate, like it looks bad, it's a bad look desperate. I mean like desperate for who God is and just desiring, hungry for more of him. And desperate people versus complacent people. Complacent people... It's like they won't, nothing will happen. Desperate people, you'll change atmospheres. Get around some desperate people. And I don't mean like, again, don't don't get this wrong. I don't mean like 
thirsty, I'm so desperate, feel sorry for me. Just like hungry people, people who are hungry for more of God and move God, who are hungry to see miracles, who are hungry to get people saved, who are hungry to, to, to let God use their gifts and their talents and, and desires and just make a move and make an impact on the kingdom of God, for the kingdom of God, and make an impact against um, the enemy. And desperate people change atmospheres. Desperate people move the heart of God. It says with the centurion man, he, he was, Jesus was amazed by his faith. If you, are we amazing Jesus with our faith? Are we tugging at him with our faith and our desires? And uh, are we desperate to see signs, miracles, and wonders? And these two were desperate for a miracle. Um, and I call them the two twelves because there was, there's 12 years. And how many know that in the Bible there's I shouldn't say in the Bible, but just in life in general, numbers mean something. And it doesn't take a lot to see that we see 12 constantly in the Bible. Um, Jairus' daughter was 12. She was dying. Uh, this woman had had the issue of blood for 12 years. Um, 12 is, is a number. It represents God's power and God's authority. And it means governmental authority, completeness, perfection, the authority given to mankind by God. And when God was establishing his covenant with his people, he started with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jacob had how many sons? Twelve sons, and they represented the twelve tribes of Israel. And it says that when um, the high priest would go into the the temple, the holies of holies, this is an Old Testament, he would have twelve precious jewels on his plate representing the twelve tribes. Um, I think I read somewhere that the number twelve is represented at least... 180-something, 190 times. Um, when Jesus, when you, in the New Testament, when you hear of Jesus the first time speaking at the temple, he was 12 years old. And when it was time for him to start his ministry, how many disciples did he get? He had 12 disciples. And um, it's, he released his power and his authority. When the, the priest would go into the temple, again, standing with power and authority. Twelve means power and authority. And he released upon his twelve disciples power and authority to pray, to heal, to cast out. And so it's a representation here. And what has God, I'm like, okay, God, what are you telling us here? What are, what are we to learn from this particular thing? And I really feel like God is saying that no matter what you're going through, no matter uh, what disease or if you the lame, the blind, the demon-possessed, no matter what, my power and authority is greater than that. There is nothing that you're going through that doesn't fall under the jurisdiction of his power and authority that he can't heal, he can't handle, he can't have power over. No matter what comes against you, he has a power and authority to fix it. And if we walk every day and live every day in that knowledge and that understanding and that awareness that no matter what, no matter what, I can be sitting there watching uh, my daughter's like breath leave her lungs, but I can sit there knowing that, you know what, God, you have brought her before. You are the healer. No matter what, I will not fear. No matter what, I will not panic. I will not doubt you. I will sit here firmly. I will pray and I will believe. And it is important that we walk through every day, every life, our, every day of our lives with that. And sure, there's going to be doubt and there's going to be things that come against us, but we just need to remind ourselves daily, renew our minds every day, no matter what. Nothing is too big. Nothing is too strong. Nothing can overpower. Amen? It is important for us to be aware of the authority and the power, and um, our uh, faith is connected to that awareness of who he is. Uh, obviously, Jairus was aware of 
the power and authority that he had, even as a synagogue leader, even as a Jewish leader. He was aware. He had seen what Jesus could do, and he was like, come pray for my daughter. The woman who was just wanting to touch, just if I could just touch her clothes, she was aware of, uh, of who he was and the authority of him. Um, everybody just say authority. Yeah, let him be his, your ultimate authority. A lot of times we think that the doctor's report is the ultimate authority or our, um, our friends' opinions are, is the authority in our lives or that mom's group on Facebook who we all, everybody goes and asks for advice. That's not the ultimate authority. And um, we need to understand that the authority on Jesus' life and who he was. And, and as we're getting ready for Resurrection Sunday, we can't forget the power of the cross. So many times as Christians, it's like we, we go through life and we forgot what happened on the cross. And if we think about it, and this is something that um, I was thinking about tossing around when I was trying to get to uh, rest last night. It was like Jesus before the cross would go and pray for people. And they were asking him to pray, lay hands. And he was performing miracles and he was sending his word out. And even when uh, the woman who... Um, uh, I don't know if you guys remember the story when she asked for even she's like, Father, even the uh, the dogs eat the crumbs. Um, so many times people came to Jesus asking for a miracle, and he was going around his ministry praying and setting people free and healing people, raising people from the dead. And then the cross happens, and then what happens? Um, then he took healing upon himself. So then it's like the cross. It's like he was here on earth cross happens. And then today, it's like we can believe for healing. It's already happened. And on the cross, he says, it is finished. He, he healed us. He delivered us. He set us free. It is finished. And so I was trying to, um, it's just me, my own thinking, and so maybe some of us are like this, we compartmentalize things. And we think, okay, when did this happen? Before or after the cross? And when did this happen? And the fact that um, the centurion man could just be like, just send your word. Like, he didn't even have to go. But his faith was so amazing, and he had so much uh, trust in Jesus and who he was and was aware. Um, and, that's, and that's what we need here today. Before the cross, Jesus went around healing and praying. He was the healer. After the cross, we are healed now. We are redeemed, and we are set free. And a lot of times, we feel like we have to come before God. And, and I know that um, it's, it's sometimes hard to wrap our minds around, but we can come before God and be like, Father, will you heal me? And yes, we should pray for healing, but we need to understand that because of the cross, we are already healed. We are already set free. And so I feel like sometimes our prayers, we need to bring them before God with the understanding of who he is and the awareness of who he is and what he's already done and accomplished. And just living, living every day with that and um, it's already done. It is already, it's, it's already finished. And in our text today, Jairus and the woman understood the authority and the power of Jesus. Today, we need to understand the authority and power of the cross. And we need to be spiritually aware of that in Jesus Christ. He's the hope of glory. And I'm getting ready to close. So if someone wants to come up, I just have two or three additional points just to pull out of this text. Um, the, the name Jairus means to be enlightened. And um, in this story, it says, Jairus went to Jesus and said, can you come with me home? Come pray for my daughter. And throughout the story, obviously, he was interrupted. And in the end, 
he got the bad news that his daughter was dead, and he was stumped. And as a parent, I could see how devastating that could be. And I thought to myself, how many times are we trying to lead Jesus instead of following him? How many times are we trying to be in control and are we trying to lead Jesus? And it's like, it wasn't to the interruption and later on happened and he sat there and Jesus had to obviously somehow probably get a hold of me like, look, listen to me. Do not doubt and believe. Let's go. And it isn't to a point sometimes in our own lives that we're trying to take control of situations. We're trying to control and move things around. We're, we're trying to lead Jesus and Jesus is let me lead. Amen. Um, another thing just to kind of point out with Jairus is he probably was desperate. I can, I can, I can picture as a parent, your child is dying and Jesus is going to follow you back home to pray. And she's at death's door. And I could see his desperation. And all of a sudden, there's a crowd of people around Jesus. And he's probably like, excuse me, coming through. Let me, you know, um, usher, you know, Johnny mode, Tommy mode. Like, let me, let, let me through. Let me, excuse me, Jesus coming through. He's going to my house. So I got somewhere to go. And he's trying to get Jesus to his house. And there's a crowd of people pressing in. How frustrating as parents could that be? Okay, there's a delay here. And... Then there's a woman, an interruption, who gets his attention, and he's talking to her, and he's talking about who touched me. And Jairus probably like, Jesus, there's so many people around you. What do you mean who touched you? Everybody's touching you. Let's go. We got a mission. We got something to do. And he takes the time, and he waits. Who did, you know, who touched me? And the woman comes. And then uh, I read in the story how she says she told him the whole truth. And I think it's the message Bible that says she told him his whole, her whole story. And how many know there's a difference between when a man tells a story and when a woman tells a story? You know, the guy you ask him how their day was, I'm good. I was chilling. I'm good. You know, how was your day? Good. And a woman, you ask her how her day was. You get all the details. And then what happened? And then this happened. And then I went here. And so he had to wait for Jesus compassionately, lovingly, like takes the time with this woman to tell her your faith has made you heal and, and to listen to her whole story. And here he is. And he had to wait and he had to watch her get her miracle. What do you do when you're waiting for your miracle? And you have to wait. And you have to watch. And the Bible says to rejoice with those that rejoice and mourn with those that mourn. He had to wait. And there his daughter is dying. So we put ourselves in this man's shoe, shoes. I hope he had to. <laughs> and what do you do when you're, when you're waiting for your, um, your healing? And you're seeing everybody else get healed. What do you do when you're waiting for your promotion? Everybody around you get promoted. What do you do when you're waiting to get pregnant? And everybody's posting their baby pictures. What do you do? And could it be that maybe Jesus wasn't trying to make him wait, but was building his faith? You know, so many times often we say, well, if God did it for me, he could do it for you. But how many times do we say, well, if God did it for you, he's going to do it for me. We have to have that mindset. We have to take what we see and believe and trust. And yeah, rejoice 
and be happy and praise God with those who are getting their healing. And just know that yours is coming too. Just know that your promise is coming as well. What do you do? And my last little nugget that I want to drop. Atmosphere. So Jesus goes into the house. The little girl is dead. And he tells them, you know, she's just sleeping. She's not dead. And they laugh. And Jesus, it says, he put them all out. Jesus did that. He put them all out. And I thought, man, I love me some Jesus. Savage Jesus. Authoritative. All y'all get out of here doubting naysayers, laughing, making fun of. Your atmosphere is important to your miracle. Your atmosphere is important. Could it be that sometimes our miracle is not will he do it or can he do it? Is what are you what are we surrounded by? What's the environment? What if the power in the miracle is not just in the miracle itself, but in the atmosphere and the environment that surrounds the miracle? It's Jesus. So could he have performed that miracle? with everybody in the room, staring, maybe doubting. It's Jesus. So yes, he could have, but did he? No, he put everybody out. And so I believe that sometimes before things could come alive in our life, before things could come up, before there to be a resurrection, some things need to get out of our lives. Sometimes we need to put things out of our lives in order for things to get up. And we're asking for uh, things from God. We're asking for um, uh, increase, uh, resurrection, uh, power. We're asking for things from God. And he's waiting for us to get our atmosphere right, to get some things out of our lives. And I believe before Resurrection Sunday next week, there's some things in our lives that we possibly have to really consider and get some things out of our lives before we can come together and expect that revival, that resurrection in our lives. And so atmosphere is important. This morning we talked about our awareness, our atmosphere, authority. Thank you. Authority. Being aware of the authority. Being aware of our atmosphere. Just living aware, period. What's the word everybody uses? Living woke. We need to be woke. We do, but we do spiritually. We do. We need to be so aware. We can't just go through life just getting by, just surviving. That's not what life is. It's about thriving and growing. And so this morning, I'm done and I just want to take some time for us to pray, pray together. I pray that God revealed some things to your hearts today. I pray that God um, maybe opened up your eyes, enlightened you, brought some things to your understanding, encouraged your faith. I pray that you leave differently than what you came. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you. We thank you for how you're speaking to our hearts. We're thinking, I thank you for how you're moving in this room. I thank you for being so alive and real to us this morning. Father, this afternoon, 
I thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and our minds and how you're teaching us, Lord. And as we wait on you, as we wait on our miracle, Father, we just thank you that you're teaching us in the process, that you're showing us in the process, that you're building up our patience, Lord, that you're not keeping or withholding any good thing from us, Father, but you're ready to give us, to pour into us. Father, you, you want us to receive all good things from you. You want us to receive everything that you have for us, Father. And let us not ever feel like a delay is, is, is you withholding, Father, but maybe you are preparing us, preparing us, Father. And let us, in, even in the preparation time, even in the waiting there's power and there's miracles in the waiting. And as, as we learn from Jairus, as he was waiting for his miracle, there's sometimes, even, Father, if it causes things to die before you can raise up again, Father, we're trusting in you wholeheartedly. We trust in you wholeheartedly. Father, I ask that you uh, increase our trust this morning. Father, if we've never trusted you before, I thank you that there's people in this room today who are going to trust you for the first time. We come from all walks of life, Lord. I know that there's different people in different levels in this room. Some of us, we've, we've known you for a long time, and some of you, we're just getting to know you. And we thank you, Lord, that you never want to stop showing yourself to us or getting to know us and having that relationship with us. Father, I thank you that you love us so much no matter what. No matter what we do, where we go, Father, you love us. And you do not keep your love from us. There's somebody in the room today who doesn't feel lovable. You are so loved. You are so loved. Get that lie out of your head. Father, I come against that lie in the name of Jesus. You are so loved. You're, you're here. There's purpose and there's a plan for your life. And today was a divine appointment. And you are so loved. You are so loved. People will fail us. And people will discourage us and disappoint us. But God, you never do. You never do. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I feel the need to remind somebody to dream again. God's not done with you. Dream again. Dream again. It's not too late. Dream again. Open up that, those old plan books, whether it's mentally or physically, and dream again. Start taking those steps again. Dream again. It's not too late. And I feel a, a, an awakening in my spirit for you. Dream again. Dream again. It's not too late. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that your presence is just comforting here and is healing us. And some of you just need to sit in his presence. Life is so busy and crazy and chaotic. And mentally, it sometimes can be overwhelming. But right here, right now, on this Sunday afternoon, we are just going to sit a few seconds in his presence and let him just speak to our hearts. Just rest. I feel the Lord saying, rest. Rest. Cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. Just rest in his presence right here, right now. You're tired physically, mentally. Rest. Rest. Thank you for listening to this week's message on the Impact Church Aurora podcast. Please feel free to subscribe, rate, and review. For more information or to give, please visit us at www.impactchurchaurora.com. Now, go out into the world and continue making an impact.